So I'm going to ask that Tim would come up and uh, read our scripture reading. That is found in Philippians 4, verses 14 through 23. All right, our scripture reading is Philippians 4, starting with verse 14. Yet it was kind of you to share my trouble. And you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving, except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me for help for my needs once and again. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me greet you. All the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father God, again, we thank you for this time, and we thank you for your word. We thank you that we have this objective source that we can go to, this authoritative, inspired um, word from you um, that we uh, can, can see who you are. We can see your character. We can see how you have worked. Uh, throughout history, God, we can see who we are. Um, you tell us um, how we were designed, God, how we were, we were created, what we were made for, um, God, what has broken that and impeded that, God, and how that can be fixed. God, your word shows us your son, Jesus Christ, uh, and and presents to us the gospel by which we can be saved. Father, your word is a treasure to us. God, if we didn't have it, uh, we would not know you um, to the extent that we do now. God, we would not be able to see you clearly, and we would certainly not be able to see you salvifically about the, in, in, in a way that we understood your great love and sacrifice for your people. And so we ask, God, that you would, um, as we open your word tonight, that you would uh, shine a light on this text uh, through the power of the Holy Spirit, that you would shine a light on our hearts, that you would apply these things that we read to our hearts. Father, we continue to pray for uh, the gospel going forth in our community. We pray for revival to come in our community. We pray that uh, the gospel would be spoken each Sunday in congregations all over our community. Uh, we ask that those who hear that would be emboldened to take that same gospel message to their families, to their workplaces, to their college campuses, to their um have their neighborhoods to to every sphere of influence that they have, and that they would take the message of the gospel to those places, that they would scatter the seed broadly, and that in your um, love and providence, God, that you would um, cause growth there, and not only growth, but fruit, and not only fruit, but God, abundant, um, multiplied, pouring over fruit. God, we know that you are capable of these things. You have done it before. We ask that you do it now in our own time. Help us to be the people who uh, work towards that, 
um, whose lives you can use to spark that kind of revival. God, we also continue to pray for our church. We pray for, for the, the, um, coming weeks and months. Um, God, as, as there is, is uncertainty and, and, and questions about the future. Um, God, we recognize there are always questions about the future. There is always uncertainty. We ask that you would give us, um, a calm spirit, knowing that you are in control, um, that your goodness will follow us no matter what we do and that, um, you will graciously and kindly uh, and, and lovingly guide your people. So we ask that you would help us to just have the peace, um, as, as we move towards, um, those various decisions and, and things going on around us. Father, we love you. We praise you. We ask these things in the holy and precious name of Jesus Christ. Amen. All right. Well, I got to get going because it's going to be another long one. I'm going to try not to keep you up to 36 again. That was, that was, that was a really long one that week, and I could see it in your eyes. Um, so I'm going to try not to do that again, okay? So we come to this last section in the book of Philippians. Um, we're actually going to do one more sermon in Philippians next week, even though we're finishing out the book today. We're going to sort of do a summary, um, big overview. So, you know, a lot of times you might do an overview at the very beginning, but we're going to do an overview at the very end, just sort of go back and rehash the big themes that we've talked about over the last, uh, I think this is like week 15 or something that we've been and Philippians. And so Paul closes the, the book of Philippians out by again thanking the Philippian church for their care, for their concern for him, particularly in terms of this gift and provision that have come to him through this brother that we find out his name is Epaphroditus. Um, but in the process of thanking them, we actually learn a few things about the nature and the goodness and the benefit of giving itself. Okay, so so that's sort of the tack that we're going to take in this last passage is we see the reason that we give. The reason we give of our um, primarily in this context of our of our monetary um, resources, but it could be applied to anything like our time or our energy or our effort. And we are in the giving season. Right. Um, that's the time of year that we find ourselves in the season where people think about particularly think about helping others and the cost of doing so. So think about all these the marks that we hit over the next few weeks in terms of of the calendar of our year. So today is or yesterday, technically, was Veterans Day. Um, this is Veterans Day Sunday. That's a weekend. This is a weekend. That's a day that reminds us that. The freedoms that we have and the security that we have as a nation costs somebody something, right? It costs certain people everything, and that is those people who serve in our armed, armed forces. Um, you are probably aware, or maybe you're not, I don't know. Um, do you know why we have Veterans Day on uh, November 11th? Well, it's because that day, November 11th, is actually Armistice Day. Armistice Day was the day that World War One, the treaty was signed to end World War One. But then you say, why did they have Armistice Day on November 11th? And the answer is, that is the Feast of St. Martin. It's a feast day in the in 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 the history of the church. You may not know anything about St. Martin, but here's the interesting thing: he was a Roman soldier who converted to Christianity, changed his life. And according to tradition, at one point he was riding into a city and he saw a poor man laying on the ground in the cold with no cloak. And he got off his horse and tore his cloak in half, his own cloak, and gave half of his cloak 
to this poor man um, as an act of generosity. And so even Veterans Day, from multiple angles, is, is giving us this picture of giving and, and serving other people. In less than two weeks, we're going to be on Thanksgiving. Obviously, we begin to think about what God has given us and being thankful for those things. A few weeks after that, we will hit the Feast of St. Nicholas in the history of the church. And you go, yeah, Santa Claus, I get all that. But but when you look at the stories, the legends, the traditions about St. Nicholas, you know what you find is that he spent from his own wealth to provide for people who were in crisis the, the poor and all these things. And so um, the whole tradition of the fact that St. Nicholas gives gifts to people, right, comes from this, these, these probably true traditions of a man who was converted to Jesus Christ and gave freely of his possessions to those in need. And then, of course, we hit Christmas and we celebra- celebrate the greatest gift um, that has ever been given. So giving over the next, say, month and a half, two months is, is going to be up front and center. And so what I'm asking the question is, is, well, why do we give? Um, what is the reason behind giving? What does it accomplish in our lives and in the world? So we begin there at the beginning, verse 14. And the first reason why we give is this. We give to share in other people's burdens. That's why we give. We give to share in other people's burdens. Yet it was kind of you to share my trouble. And you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. So Paul acknowledges something. He acknowledges that part of the reason why we give is to meet and to share burdens that other people have. In this case, his burdens as a missionary taking the gospel to new places. So coming up here in a couple of weeks, we're going to kick off our Lottie Moon um, Christmas offering drive. That is, if you're not familiar with that, Lottie Moon was a uh, Southern Baptist, <coughs> excuse me, Christian missionary who served in China in the uh, late 1800s. Um, she gave her life and uh, spent herself there in that field. Eventually got to the point where she was so decrepit um, and old from giving her food away to starving children that they said, we got to take you back to the States. It's, you're too sick to, to continue on. They put her on a boat in China. We're going to take her over to Japan before they hopped back and headed to America. And on the boat ride between China and Japan on Christmas Eve night, uh, she passed away. And so in honor of her sacrifice, the Southern Baptist Convention takes an offering every year called the Lottie Moon Christmas Offering. Every single penny of that offering goes to um, on-the-field missionaries around the world. Um, there's a separate offering for North American missions, separate offerings for uh, Tennessee missions. But for international missions, that's the offering we take each year. And so that money goes to men and women that have followed Christ by going to the foreign mission field. In, in military service, they have a, there's a, there's a, a line where we talk about people are serving in a forward position, right? That means they are on the front lines. They are the people who are, who are in harm's way most. Everybody in the military is serving in some function, right? And yet there's a unique situation in which certain people are on the front lines. And I think that's a way of thinking about our missionaries in many ways. 
They are away from their families. They are away from friends. They are away from cultural norms. They have put themselves in harm's way due to discrimination or persecution, sometimes even divergent legal practices in other countries, right? Um, those are difficulties that we don't have to deal with in our country. But the reality is, is this. We can give, and by giving, we can share in their burden. We can come alongside our brothers and sisters in Christ and make their faithfulness to Christ a little less difficult, right? That comes from a heart of thankfulness on our part. That comes from a love for others. Thankfulness to God for how he has provided for us, and then love not only for our fellow believers, but for those whose lives they will influence, right? We give for missions not only to share the burden of those missionaries, but to share the burden of the lost who have no access to the gospel. Um, likewise, with our Isaiah 117 house uh, gift card drive, right? Children who that ministry serves are suffering Incredible hardship sometimes, incredible crisis, things that we would be appalled and, and would not, I mean, we wouldn't know what to do if, if those things were happening in our families. And yet the truth is, is some of those things probably have happened in our families. Like we have been, um, in those kind of situations also. And the truth is, is that we may not be able to fix those deep seated problems that those children are experiencing, um, you, you know, so quickly and in such a, a, a tumultuous moment of transition. But you know what we can do? We can help in a way that makes the crisis just a little less difficult, right? We can give something that will make them have one less thing that they don't have to deal with or one less thing that they don't have to worry about. We give to share the burden. That's what Christ calls us to do. You remember Samwise, right? Got to put Lord of the Rings in here somehow. You remember Samwise. What does he say? I can't carry it, but I can carry you. That's basically the idea here. I can't fix all your problems, people. I can't be there with you and make this okay. But you know what I can do? I can do something to help lift you up, to make your walk just a little bit less difficult. That's what we do when we give. We share other people's burdens. It's the pattern of the world to run from other people's burdens. It is the pattern of the world to say, I don't want to have anything to do with that, right? It's too much. I'm going to go the other way. That way I don't feel responsible for these things. It is the pattern of Christ to say, no, I will step in and I will put some of the weight on my shoulders and, and help you carry it. So the first thing is that we share our, in, in others' burdens. The second idea is this. It has to do with storing up treasure for ourselves in heaven. That's why we give. Look what it says in verse 17. So Paul says, you guys sent me uh, gifts. You provided for me. I'm thankful for that. But then in verse 17, he says this. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. What does that mean? Paul's saying, I'm not first and foremost worried about the gift that you sent me, although I'm thanking you for that. I'm not, I'm not worried about it either for its own sake or even for my own sake. Instead, he is concerned with the fact that the gift has actually accomplished something for the giver. Does that make sense? That the giver, he's worried about what the gift is doing for the giver of the gift. And he says that it credits to your account. 
it bears fruit to your account. What does that mean? So there's a guy named Randy Alcorn. Um, he's written, maybe you've, you've read some of his books or articles or something like that. He has a book called Money, Possessions, and Eternity. And he has this idea where he talks about the investment principle in the scriptures or the treasure principle. And it has to do with this idea of storing up our treasures in heaven. And basically what the picture we get in the scriptures is, is when we give, certainly we can see all kinds of ways in which that money benefits others, right? You donate to a charity, you donate to missions, you donate whatever. We can see how it affects others. But Paul is actually saying, no, no, it actually benefits you too. Because it's in, in a spiritual way, you are investing that what you were giving. And in a more specific analogy is not the investing, but of farming and the way investing in farming works. So think about this. A farmer invests, right? A farmer spends his time, his energy, his resources to prepare the soil, to plant the seed, to water, to fertilize, to protect from bugs and critters and all those things like that. He does all of that work up front. He puts all of that work in up front. And, and while all those acts are noble and sacrificial and diligent and hardworking, and those are all good things, he would never do all of those things just because they were hardworking and diligent and, and whatever, right? Why does he do all those things? He is investing in a harvest that he expects to come. Paul uses that same language, that we have this fruit that is being credited to our account in heaven. The scriptures talk about this idea that we, when we do what is right, when we do what is good, when we give, when we serve, when we sacrifice, we are storing up treasure in heaven for ourselves, right? Something that we will have access to in some spiritual way that I don't understand, right? I don't, you know, we used to joke, there was a a bunch of us who were in BCM and we would talk about this idea and we would say, well, does that mean I get a hot tub in heaven and somebody else doesn't get a hot tub in heaven? I I don't think it probably works that way. I can't explain to you how that's going to happen. And yet the scriptures show us that I can take my money in this world and I can buy a car or I can buy um, a piece of clothing, but moths destroy and rust destroys. Those goods, the second I buy them, are used and begin to depreciate every single second until eventually they're worthless, right? But the Bible tells us that the resources that we lay up in heaven never depreciate. That the things we do for the cause of Christ are invested in a place where they will never lose their value and that one day we will in some way access that. They are being stored up for us. Remember a couple of years ago, um, Pastor Appreciation uh, uh, Month, you guys gave me a pair of Birkenstocks. You remember that? Because I wear Birkenstocks all the time. Well, I put those Birkenstocks on the other day, and I wore them all day long. And when I got to the end of the day, my knees were hurting. And the reason is because those Birkenstocks are about worn out. And, and I'm telling you, I wear the heck out of my Birkenstocks, right? I wear them all day. I wear them Summer, spring, winter, fall. I, I mean, I, I'm always wearing Birkenstocks. And so I wear the heck out of them and I wore the heck out of that pair. All right. The soles are slick. The cork is flattened and there's almost no padding on them anymore. They're about ready for the trash heap. Honestly, there's not much good left in them because I can't wear them uh, without feeling old. Those shoes faded, right? But you know what hasn't faded? 
the credit that you received by your generosity to your pastor that you stored up in heaven, right? You did something kind for me, and that's still sitting there in your heavenly account. Again, it sounds just a little bit tawdry to say it in those terms, right? And I don't want you to misunderstand that, but that's what happened. You acted in a kind and generous way to me, and yes, those goods that we bought disintegrated, but your treasure in heaven is exactly the same. And so Paul says that. He says, don't forget this. When you give, you are benefiting yourself also. You are sharing the burden and helping others, but you are also storing up treasure for yourself. You are investing in eternity with your goods and and energy. All right? A third way in which, or a third reason why we give, and that is to meet Practical needs. Maybe that should be obvious, right? Verse 18. I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied, he says, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts that you sent me. So again, we see another principle from, from sort of the reverse side. Paul says, I'm not referencing the gift because I'm looking to get more. Just for the record, I'm not, I'm not asking for new Birkenstocks, just for the record. That, don't feel like that was like a plug where I was like, hey, maybe if I tell them they're worn out, I'll get some more Birkenstocks. I've actually gotten new Birkenstocks since then. I've got good pairs currently. I'll let you know when I have no good pairs and then we'll see what happens. Okay. Um, I got multiple pairs actually. So, um, Paul says, I'm not, I'm not saying this because I'm looking for a gift. I'm not saying this because I'm trying to get a little bit more money out of you. Um, church of Philippi. He says, no, I'm actually well supplied. I've got everything I need. I'm not thanking you or mentioning this stuff because I'm wanting you to give me more. But again, this point is sort of it, from the other side, it, it points out a fact. It points out a fact that Paul at one point did need something, right? He needed money to support the mission. He needed money for his livelihood. He needed money um, and resources to help him continue to do the ministry that God had given him. And so the reality is that, right? We have to have resources to meet practical needs. Uh, paper for bulletins costs money. Uh, juice for the Lord's Supper costs money. Uh, good little books for good little book studies costs money. Rent costs money. Salaries cost money. Everything costs money. And we give to meet those practical needs, right? That's just an obvious reason. Now, again, practical needs are necessary, but Paul points out again, I have all that I need. So if a ministry was impoverished and could not accomplish its mission because of its lack of funds, then I feel sure that Paul would have said, hey, guys, I know it may be hard on you, but I'm going to ask you to give more because I'm out of money here and, and, and the situation is, is, is dire, right? But in this case, he's all caught up. Right. The ministry is well supplied. The, the practical needs are met. And so, again, the reality is this. And you know this because we've talked about it in the last couple of business meetings. We have practical needs here. And for this church to be self-sustaining, um, we have to have those needs met. And so this is what I would encourage you, quite simply, is I would encourage you to be prayerful about what faithfulness in giving looks like with your family. One of the crazy things that happens when we come to the New Testament is in the Old Testament, it tells you very specifically how, what, when you give, how much, this many animals, this much 
flower, this much whatever, it, it delineates it into minutia almost in places. When we get to the New Testament, it says, don't give out a compulsion. Give what you want to give. Give what is right for you to give. Give what is consistent with your income. Give what is regular, proportional, generous, thoughtful, sacrificial. It leads us all in those directions, but it never throws a number on us. And so I would say prayerfully think about um, what faithfulness looks like for your family and your home. One more reason why we give. So we give because we share the burden. Um, we give because it benefits us by storing up treasures in heaven. We give because it meets practical needs. And then here's the last one. We give because it's worship. We give because it's worship. Look at the language that Paul uses when he talks about their offering to him for the help of the ministry. He says, it is a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. Giving is an act of worship. That's why Paul uses Old Testament temple worship language, right? Um, we may not sacrifice animals anymore. Obviously, we don't um, on an altar the way they did in the Old Testament scriptures, but we definitely still sacrifice as an act of worship. We give of our possessions, our energy, our time in honor of God. And the picture in the Old Testament is this. As they would burn incense and that smoke would waft up, as they would roast an animal on the altar and the the smoke of the fat burning would rise up or whatever, that smell wafting up to heaven was a picture of carrying our prayer essentially, right? And so it, it talks about that kind of language all the time, that our prayers are being carried up to heaven in this act of worship as we would sacrifice those things in the Old Testament, but now sacrificing in other ways. And the things that we offer up to God are either going to be a delight to him or they are going to be an offense to him. The fact that giving is, is worship is an important principle for us to remember because even if the church has all it needs, right? Even if we are well supplied, if all the burdens are shared, even if like Paul's situation, we had abundance. So you remember a couple of weeks ago when there was that like billion dollar lottery? You remember that? It's like, I don't know, it was four or five weeks ago. You might be like, Ash, I don't play the lottery and I don't know why you're paying attention to that. Well, I was paying attention to it. Um, and I was like, you know what, man? It's like 1.2 billion or something like that. And I was like, man, what could we do with 1.2 billion dollars? It'd be goofy. It'd be silly. I can't even imagine what we'd do. We'd probably waste it. And that's why, you know, we, God wouldn't give it to us. But man, what if we did? What if we had 1.2 billion dollars? Okay. We would be well supplied, right? We would have everything we needed. And guess what? I would still tell you to tithe every single week. I would say, this is still something you need to do. And you say, Ash, you don't need my money. You got $1.2 billion sitting in the bank. And I would say, you're not just doing it to meet the practical needs of this church. You are doing it as an act of worship. So my dad, um, before he retired, so he would come up here and he would come to our church, right? And he goes to a church, his home church in Mobile, where he, where he lives. 
um, is big church, growing church for years. It was the fastest growing church in, in Mobile County and things like that. You know, uh, probably a thousand plus members or whatever. They got money coming out of their ears. Okay. Um, they don't need any money. Right. And my dad basically was like, this church doesn't need my money. Right. They got more than enough money. So you know what he did? Did he say, well, this church doesn't need my money. So I'm not going to give it anymore. No, that's not what he did. He started giving to us. Okay. Um, he started taking his money and tithing it to us. And I think that's okay. Right. Um, that church was well supplied. It didn't need anything else. And there was an opportunity for my dad, especially since he's connected here to our church half the year anyway, to tithe to our congregation and help us. So again, um, our giving images our hearts, right? It shows us where our treasure lies. The Bible talks about that. Where your treasure is, there, or where your heart is, there your treasure will be also. Um, if your treasure is the kingdom of God and God himself, then you will worship God with your giving. Now, here's something incredible, too. We come to this last section. And this is not so much a reason for giving, but it's a reason to give. If that makes any sense. Verse 19. And he says, my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father, be glory forever and ever. Amen. Paul says, you guys have given. You have sacrificed for me and the cause of Christ in terms of my mission. And let me promise you that God will take care of you. He will meet every one of your needs. I don't know if you noticed as we read that psalm at the beginning of service, part of the reason why I picked it is because there are several places in it when it talks about those very ideas, about how God provides for his people. He does not let the righteous go hungry. The children of the righteous will not be sitting at the gates begging for bread, that God gives provision to those who are faithful to him. And the reality is, is that's what God does. God takes care of his people. When we look in the Old Testament, very last book of the Old Testament, one of the last chapters of a book of the Old Testament, we see God confronting the Israelites in the book of Malachi on various aspects of their unfaithfulness. And God says to Israel, you are guilty of robbing me. And the people of Israel say, what? How are, how are we robbing you? What are you even talking about? And God says, by failing to bring in the full tithe into the house of God. That's not the part I want to focus on, because then he says something crazy. Something unprecedented in all of scripture. Malachi chapter three, he says this, bring in the whole tithe into the storehouse so that there may, may be food in my house and put me to the test now in this, says the Lord. If I do not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you a blessing until it overflows. Okay. This is the crazy thing. And this is, you may have read that passage before and just been like, okay, yeah, I get it. What makes that so special? Um, God says, if you will be faithful, I will not only care for you, but I will pour out my blessing on you. And then he says, test me on this. Try me and see if I don't do it. I don't know if you know this, but we're not supposed to test God. It says in multiple places, don't test God. Jesus, when he's been being tempted by Satan in the wilderness, 
says, don't put God to the test. You don't test God. In almost every circumstance in the Old Testament, when it refers to man testing God, guess what? Bad thing. Um, the kind of thing that could incur judgment on you for doing that. Except for one time. And it's this time. This one crazy situation, God says, I don't want you to test me, but on this, you can test me. Try me and see if I am not faithful. Try and see if I don't keep my word. I think the unique instance of that fact demonstrates something. It demonstrates that God is not only particularly concerned with our giving, but also that he is, it is particularly difficult for us. And that's why he gives us even this greater incentive to do it. It is hard to be generous with the things. It's hard to be generous with other people's needs when we have needs of our own, right? It just is. It's hard to hand money over that you have sweated and sacrificed for. But here's something interesting, I think. I think your earnings, our earnings, our ability to earn money, to to be rewarded with the fruit of our labor, I think that is a sacred thing, all right? I think it's tied to our purpose on earth when we look at the cultural mandate, that idea of be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, and subdue it. God made all of us to be fruitful in whatever category that ends up being, every single one of us, to produce to work, that our work would produce gain. The Bible's pretty clear. A worker is worthy of his wages. It is wrong to take money from someone who has earned that money. And it's not self-centeredness. It's not greed to want to keep what we have worked for. I think that's the way God had designed the universe. That's justice. If you work... You should receive the benefit of your work. That is justice. That is right. No one should be able to take that from you without your consent. So what's wrong to steal in the Ten Commandments? And again, maybe that's why God gives us this. He asks us to give in this way. Because here's the reality. There's something that's more important than justice. Mercy is more important. Generosity is more important. Love is more important. Burden sharing, fruit accruing, need meeting, worshipful love demonstrated in giving. Again, I don't think it's right that anybody could take it from you, right? Even if I was able to in some way, it would be wrong for me to come in here and say, I'm going to take your money from you. I'm going to use it for the Lord, though. You know, it's that would be wrong, right? But if the Lord calls us and says, I know it's hard, but I want you to give. And I'm asking you to give because it's hard. Because I want your treasure to be found in me, not in the things that you possess. What's incredible is that God is faithful to the higher good. But at the same time, he won't ignore the lesser good. God says, if you are faithful to give, I will be faithful to take care of you. If you are obedient to me, I will be gracious to you in those areas. 
So we, we end on, on that note. Um, man, I, I, we've talked a lot about money over the last couple of six months or whatever, right? And I don't want to harp on it. Um, I try not to preach on it ever. I'll be honest with you. Like I don't, I try not to preach on it ever because it falls into that stereotype, right? Like everybody starts going, Oh, here we go. Another preacher talking about money, you know, trying to get people to give more money. Like that's always the, 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 the picture. Right. That's why I don't talk about it here. We talk about it in business meeting, right? Cause that makes sense, but I try to talk about it in sermons. But the interesting thing too is, is that I preach expositorily through the Bible. And so when we come to a passage that's talking about giving, that's when I talk about giving and we came to it here at the end, which again, I think is very timely for our church. It's one of the things I'm going to talk about next week and I won't, you know, jump ahead to that sermon, but man, I picked Philippians because I'd never preached it before. No more wisdom than that, right? It's God's word. It's all God's word. I could have preached anything. And I feel like just about every time we've preached a message, it has, man, especially for like the last six weeks, every time I preach a message, it is, it's something we're dealing with in the life of our congregation every single week. Um, I think this message in, in, in terms of our giving, in terms of the season that we're coming into with our, our, um, charitable giving, um, to Isaiah 117, to, Lottie Moon and to the health and, and vitality of our church are all providential. And so again, what I would ask of you is if you would be prayerful on those things and that you would determine what your family, um, understands to be the faithful, um, way that you can support the ministry by your giving. Amen. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. Um, let's ask that he would do that in our hearts and, um, that he would um, supply all our needs that we would be well supplied um, and lack of nothing. Father God, we thank you for this day again. God, we thank you for your grace, for your mercy. God, we thank you for how you have given first. God, that everything that we have from our financial resources, God, from our ability to work, to earn money, God, from the, the, the physical things you have given us to the families you have given us, the love and support of friends for our church. God, you, no one can outgive you. Um, you have already given so much. And first and foremost, you have given us your own son, Jesus Christ. He has come into the world to give of himself and sacrifice of himself, even to the point of death, even to the point of death on a cross so that we would be provided for, that our salvation could be secured. Father, we know that, that our giving in no way accomplishes such a lofty goal as that. And yet you have commanded us in your word to live in a generous way with those around us. And so we ask that you would help us to be faithful. God, we all have, um, we all have bills. We all have things in our lives that we have to pay for. We all have goals. We all have dreams. We all have a life that we are trying to provide for our families. God, we ask that you would help us to be faithful. Father, we thank you. We praise you. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. We stand and sing the closing song.
Say that they are strong in the strength that God has given. With a shield of faith and belts of truth, who stand against the dead Lord's eyes. I is love, reaching out to those in darkness. The cat is sold, but to raise your kiss again. With the sword, it's so wounded. To fight with faith the Then you see me as the Son of God is written. See his foes, not beneath his feet, for the conqueror has risen. When the passes through, he is told the rest. In Christ he emerges from the grave. Here still the day, every eye in part shall see when. every stride, embrace every Amen. Glad to see you tonight. Um, uh, thought I'd tell you real quick if you're if you're a glutton for punishment. Um, next week I am preaching at First Baptist Alcoa on Sunday morning. Um, a different message than I'm going to preach here on Sunday night. And so if you really want to hear me twice, you can come to First Baptist Alcoa on Sunday morning and then come here that evening. And so next week we'll finish up um, Philippians here. On Sunday night, I think I'm probably gonna, to steer the message in terms of something about, uh, Thanksgiving and stuff, uh, at, at First Baptist Alcoa, but Chandler was gracious enough to preach for me a couple weeks ago when I'm out. My, I think he's going back to, he's from Oklahoma, and so he's gonna try to go back and spend Thanksgiving with his family there, and so I'm gonna come preach for him. Um, but either way, hope to see you next Sunday. Um, 
Have a good week. Hear this benediction as you go. May the Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. Turn his face towards you and give you peace. We'll see you next week. Uh, yeah. 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 Y